Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Dallas After School will be the focus of today's show. Two representatives are in studio to help guide me through what this organization does for kids in Dallas County. We start off with their CEO, Christina Hanger. How are you doing today? I'm good, Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. All right. So uh, this group came through recommendation, as all of my groups do. And I, I did a little cruising on your website, which is dallasafterschool.org. But I'm still trying to figure out exactly what this organization is all about. Right. So let's talk basics. What sure. is... Dallas After School. Okay. Dallas After School is a nonprofit that's been around for 10 years, and we actually work with after school and summer programs and programs which are in low-income neighborhoods and serve low-income kids, and we help those after school and summer programs be better. Uh, So we help them. We do professional development for their staff. We provide resources. We help them to have a better quality program because we know that's what's going to make a difference for children. And we've been doing that for 10 years. And in the last couple of years, we've started to recognize that we needed to do more than just work on the quality. And that's when we started to expand also into working on access, mm. uh, which is what you're going to talk about with Sharia in a few yes. minutes. Yes. Um, okay. So this is the thing that, that confused me the most when I first learned about the organization was I thought Dallas After School, a place for kids to show up and exactly. do after school stuff. And that is not it what is it is. Not that. What right. you guys do is you take an existing after school program and you make it better. You optimize. That's what we do. Right. Yeah. So especially, so it's, you know, Texas is unusual in this for after school providers. So if you're an after school provider and you're doing it free for parents or for a very low cost, you're not regulated. So the good side of that is you're not regulated. The bad side is there's really nobody to help you and there's not a lot of resources for you. So a lot of our after school programs are run by nonprofits. They might be run by faith communities. They're in community centers. They're in apartment complexes. And they don't have a lot of resources. So Dallas After School was founded to be able to help them in those ways, to provide that kind of support that they need. In a lot of cases, the after school staff, they're not teachers, right? They're part time. Uh, They may not have a lot of experience. They have a lot of love for kids. They mean well. And, And they do great job. Right. But they could use some help. Right. So so that's what we're there for. So we provide last year we trained over 750 after school professionals. Mm. Uh. We're working this year with 180 after-school and summer sites that serve 14,000 kids. Uh, so we're there to really, yeah, it's amazing, right, how it's big a, it is. And it's yeah. just Dallas County, or is it more we, than so that? So mostly Dallas County. We have a few that have grandfathered in, or we'll do the sibling rule, right? So if you okay. are a nonprofit and you run after school, and it's just a little bit across the Collin line or a little bit across the Tarrant County line, we'll uh, we'll help you and work with you because it's just as easy to work with all your sites as just, you know, 
Some well, of them. let's talk a little bit about the origins and, and your your work with the group. How long have you you guys been around for ten years? How long have you been with this organization? Uh, three and a half years as CEO, and I was a volunteer with the organization before okay. that. Were you a teacher? No, <laughs> no, I'm not a teacher. I um, have no education background. My background actually is finance and operations and technology companies. Really? Yeah. So, so I don't know you... how I got here, but I started <laughs> uh, volunteering with the organization and I was uh, running a consulting company. And... I found a lot of times the people that are the best in this sector are the ones that kind of just oddly found it and applied what they used before right. to it. It's just a fresh set of eyeballs and you approach it differently. And a lot of times you yeah. bring in new great ideas. So it sounds like what you were doing. Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully that was true. All right. <laughs> let's let's say that that's a big okay. yes. Um, okay. So. One of the things that I read on your website, maybe the most shocking thing that I read on your website, once again, which is DallasAfterSchool.org, that basically a bad after-school program gets the exact same results as just not even having one at all. Yeah, that's certainly what the national research shows. I was kind of shocked by that. Um, well, and so it sort of depends. I mean, and um, I'm going to back up and say that after-school programs, as long as they're safe, that's that's a big deal. There are a lot of programs which are unsafe. Um, How and, do you mean unsafe? Like our after-school program is built around kids with chainsaws? No, but um, <laughs> so we have an 18-point safety checklist, which is also available to anybody on our website. Uh, and when we go in and assess, because we start with programs working with them by assessing safety and quality, so we know how okay. to help them to improve. Sure. And when we um, when we go in and assess for safety, when we give the safety checklist in advance and they know we're coming – about 65% of the organizations fail. And that could be when from... When they know you're coming. Yeah. And that could be for things as small as not having Band-Aids in the first aid kit. And it could be things as big as not having the right ratios of adults to children. It could be uh, there's aren't no fire extinguishers. It could, I mean, so it could be some serious things. And it can also be small things. So that's really where it starts. Yeah, that, it that starts is... at safety. Okay. Right. So if you have a, you know, a bad program, right, that's unsafe, that's, you know, safety is really the the foundation and we want to make sure that all kids are safe Makes sense. and because part of what after school does is it really helps working families um, national studies would show that working families working parents miss like eight days of work a year because of out-of-school time care issues hmm. so it's really a productivity issue so first we want to make sure that kids are safe the next thing is with quality and we do a lot of research here locally with smu as our research partner um, but we've shown that the higher the quality of an after-school program the more academic success, especially with young, the younger the kids are, the more we see this, that they have more, they have better academic gains the younger they are. But we know that kids in, we've done a lot of research and shown that kids in after school program, in our after school programs, where they, we know they're working on quality, we know they're working to improve, those programs, uh, those kids do way better on standardized test scores uh, and standardized, standardized tests. Um, than kids who aren't in our programs. So that so those we do have a lot of research to back those facts up. I'm interested just kind of more in the basics as to we've ticked off safety as being the number one thing that you're going to start with, and, right. and that makes sense. But right. once you have those parameters set, you're still going to deal with an underperforming or let's say a bad organization versus one that's good to an one extent. One that wants to get better. One that wants to get better. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um how would you characterize that? Like when you look at an organization yeah. that is just, eh, what are some examples of that? So we actually have a we have a tool which we call Aqua, which stands for After School Quality Advancement, and that's how we measure quality and define quality. 
And it's got 10 elements, and you're going to test me to say, hey, name like 10, and I probably can't name 10 off the top of my head. But it's things like the environment and climate. It's the programming and activity. It's the relationships that the staff has with both students and with the families. Uh, It's how does the program link to the school day? Uh, That's a really critical one. Uh, And that doesn't mean that you do the same thing in after school as you do in school, Mm -hmm. but it means that the school staff and the after school staff cooperate in the family and that they're... You know, if the school knows a child's struggling in something, they let the after school. Everybody's in the same boat. Right. And they're working together for the benefit of the child. So that's an important one. We also look at other things for quality. Are they sustainable? Do they have a fundraising plan in place so that they can be sustainable? Because it's a bad thing for children. One of the things that really helps children in an after school program is they develop that relationship with a caring adult who's outside their family. And so if you have programs start up and stop, and you know, that is really bad for kids, right? Because they start to build a relationship with someone that they trust and they depend on. And if that person goes away, it's really it can be kind of crushing. Sure, that makes sense. So sustainability is important to us. Do they uh, understand metrics and measuring uh, you know, what they're doing? Do they, have a, do they have goals? Do they measure how they're doing? Them? That's part of quality for us. And then professional development of their staff is a big part of I think I probably named about seven, so I didn't get all ten. But you get a sense. I think for, it gives it paints a very good picture so, but yeah, as so to what we're looking at. It's very holistic. Yeah. And in those ten elements, we have seventy-four indicators. So when we go out to assess quality, we're assessing on those seven on those seventy-four items. Uh, and working with SMU, we've proven that that's a valid and statistically meaningful uh, way to judge quality of a program. And we can be very specific on each of those seventy-four. This is what a really good program looks like. This is what we're looking for. These are the behaviors. These are the observable things we want to see. So we can uh, work with pro- with providers on those things. And when we know what they're struggling with, then we can provide training. We can provide coaching. We can provide resources to help them shore those things up. Christine Hanger is the CEO of Dallas After School, their website, dallasafterschool.org. Going back to the origins of this group, how did you guys figure out that this is this is going to be where you focused your energies, that, that after-school uh-huh. programs were important enough that you wanted to not necessarily provide one for kids, but to make sure that the ones that kids were involved with were running at the highest capacity possible. Right. What What's the origin of this group? Yeah, so our two founders who founded the organization 10 years ago, one was working as an after-school uh, program provider uh, in uh, apartment complexes in low-income neighborhood, mm. and the other was volunteering Uh, in one in East Dallas um, that was serving some underserved neighborhoods. And they realized that the volunteer really realized, wait, there's there's no support here. There's no some of the supports you expect to have for teachers uh, and professional development, things you would have in those areas or even for early childhood. Right. If you're a daycare provider, there's continuing education. There's those types of things. There's networking groups. There's accreditations. None of that existed for the after school space. And so uh, they had some funding uh, from an anonymous donor and did a study uh, and did some did, did some research on how many after-school programs were there in Dallas County and what kind of supports were they missing and what kind of supports did they want. And based on that, they uh, started Dallas After School to provide that kind of support. You know, 10 years ago, that's not really that long ago. I'm kind of shocked that this space was underutilized or just maybe not paid attention to enough. Right. Uh, you know, less than 10 years ago. Has there been kind of a revolution in this space where people really pay attention to it more so it, and understand yeah, it so being in, important? In, so in 10 years, it has grown a lot. And and there were organizations similar to this in other parts of the country. Um, but now 
since Dallas After School has been been founded 10 years ago, uh, there's now a state network organization uh, as well for Texas that didn't exist. There's organizations in several other cities around Texas. Uh, so there there is definitely been more attention put to so it. So the research that you guys conducted, did that influence regulation as far as uh, the way that these things should run? No, not regulation as such, I would say. And most of our research has just really started to happen in the last to really publish and have results in the last mm. two to three years. Uh, so I wouldn't say it has affected regulation as much, um, but I do think it's more recognized, for example, by schools as being important and an important support and help from the community to help kids in school. Um, so I think it's getting recognition in those ways. Standard setting to an extent. Yes, yes. Okay. So how do organizations actually become a part of Dallas After School? Right. That's a good question. So uh, right now we're working with 40 different nonprofit uh, agencies that have 180 sites. Uh, basically, uh, organizations hear about us. Um, the nonprofit community, as you know, because you talked to a lot of nonprofits, yes. everybody seems to know everyone, they especially know. in it's the amazing, education actually. space. Yes, there's a great So find. as people start up these nonprofits, they'll, you know, they'll stumble around a little bit and then they'll They'll start up, start up an after-school program, and they'll somebody will say to them, oh, have you heard of Dallas After School? And then we'll usually get a call uh, from them. We, we open up to providers each August uh, to become um, members with us uh, for the next school year, and uh, unfortunately, we have a waiting list. Really? Uh, yes, because we're pretty careful about we don't want to take people on if we know we don't have enough resources to help them. So, like last year, we ha- were working with 130 sites. This year, it's 180 sites. So that's a pretty big, substantial growth for us. Absolutely. Um, but but for those partners that uh, hear about us, we basically have an application process where we say we're going to provide you these things, and you're going to commit to do these things. Uh, and that's kind of how we. What we go parameters about it. do you guys look for? Are there are there certain metrics that groups have to meet before they are able to be within the Dallas After School so the, purview? Let's say um, we want them to be either. Uh, nonprofit or governmental mm-hmm. uh, kind of agency at, that is serving uh, low-income, underserved children. That's so no really, size, maybe, or anything no, like that. No, and we have we have some that are small as thirty kids, and we have some that do five hundred and fifty kids in one site, right? And we have some that are you know one site, and we have some that run twenty sites, right? So we, it, it's a wide range, but we bring partners in um, and uh, start them off. We assign them a quality advisor, is kind of our name for a coach. Uh, they'll get their. We have assessors who will do their safety and quality assessment, and then they'll work with their coach on what they want to work with with their staff and how they want to improve. Uh, and that might be, it might be standardized training. We run trainings just about every week during the school year on Wednesdays and Fridays, mm. and so so people can send staff to that training, or they might say we need to do something special with our staff, and then we'll bring training to them, or it might be. They want to learn something specific or they want to roll out something specific in their program um, and we'll devise something special, a, a coaching or mentoring to be able to help them with that. How long are groups working with you normally? So we've had groups with us for 10 years. Really? Um, now, if you pass uh, all of our uh, standards in Aqua, you become certified, uh, but our certified partners stay with us. Uh, we do a lot less uh, coaching with them because they're They've reached very high quality, and it's usually very sustainable. Mm. Um, but we still do their training. They still have staff turnover. They have new staff. We'll do that. We'll provide resources. We provide, you know, free curriculum. We provide books sometimes. We do, you know, we'll start different kinds of initiatives. In the last two years, we've started initiatives around literacy 
and around social emotional learning for kids. Um, so certified sites might go, hey, and, that's something I want to add. Okay, and I was going to say that. So it's just a, it, it's a program basically that people within uh, the organization can be a part of. They're like, oh, I want I want to apply that literacy right. program to my kids and right. see how it works right. with them. Right, and we're not saying by a long shot because we believe that after school, uh, quality after school can have good results for children, regardless of what the content is, right? It could be academic, it can be arts education, it can be faith-based, it can be sports. It doesn't, we don't really care what it is. We want it to be safe. We want it to be done in an engaging, high-quality way. But if you want to be doing a literacy program, we want to help you make it the best literacy program possible, right? If you want to be working on social-emotional learning for kids, we want to help you with resources for that. Uh, So that's how we view it. So once you get to a certain point uh, with Dallas After School, it, it almost seems like you're going to be workshopping ideas on what to expand on and, and what to work on. So if a group is hitting, you know, they have qualified, they've been with you guys for a really long time, they're just optimum organization, they're running great, but they've got a new idea or they want to tweak an existing program, they come to you and you guys kind of workshop it out? Right, yeah. Yeah, okay. we've yeah. done that. Yeah. All right. And also, especially when we have programs like that, that's the programs we really want to work on for expansion. Right. And to to help them grow. Right. And so that they can serve more kids. Do a lot of these groups that have been with the organization for a long time, do they serve as uh, kind of a testing ground for for younger groups? So we know that this works really good here. We want to test it out. And if it does work, then we know it will work for for a group that's we've starting that. with we've done the organization. that with certain certain things, especially some around literacy. Um you know, usually we're pretty much we really like to work with the willing and people who really, <laughs> you know, want to work on things. So um, if you haven't been with us for very long, but you, you know, you join and you're like, no, I do want to be a good literacy program. We're yeah. like, great. Come on. Right. We want to, you know, join our literacy lab. Right. Because then we want to work with you on that. But if you're like, nope, that's not what we do. We respect that. And uh, kind of move okay. on. Yeah. You kind of hit on it. And it was one of the things that I was going to ask. So it's not just let's say, education-based after-school programs. There are other types of organizations, arts, sports even. Yeah. Okay, so anybody that is doing an after-school program, you're going to be a part yeah. of it because you see the benefit of it yeah. just in any capacity? Yeah, so we, we like to think of an after-school program as having a certain kind of minimum. The word in the industry would be dosage, right? So we want you to be running four to five days a week and two to three hours, right? And we're going to strongly suggest that when kids show up for your program that you, one, feed them, right, because mm-hmm. kids don't have a lot of attention after a long day at school if you don't feed them. Um, and, you know, it can, can all go downhill fast, right, when we're <laughs> hungry can, and cranky. It can so, avalanche quick. you know, a healthy snack or, or meal, um, homework help, simply because, you know, even if you're a sports program, having a homework help really helps the family, right, because when yeah. mom and dad pick up the kids, you know, and they get home, they don't want to be helping with homework. And a lot of times – uh, mom and dad may not have the the knowledge or the skills, or especially if there's English language issues, to be able to help with homework. So so we really strongly encourage everybody to do those two things. And then what you do programmatically, it can be lots of different things. And the reason why, even if it's arts or dance or sports, or that it has a positive a- academic effect on kids, is because kids who want to go to after school will go to school. They're going to be in school more. They're going to engage. There's really nothing that you do with children where they're not going to read some or you can't bring, you know, some sort of math into it or, you know, you're adding up points or scoring. or There's always things. There's always ways that good staff can bring those things into it. I mean, one of the things you try to do, we try to do in the 
curriculum that we develop and give to our partners is really you kind of trick kids into learning, right? You know, you make it fun. Uh, after school shouldn't look like school, uh, but that doesn't mean they're not learning something while they're having fun. Is that okay? So when you think about what the real benefits of an after school program are, is it getting kids to see the benefit of education, even though they don't understand that they're being educated, or is it keeping them out of trouble so that they continue to be educated yeah. and not? Getting in trouble. We talk about three things. One, it helps working parents, right, because they don't have to worry about where the kids are. It keeps kids safe. The hours of three to six are when juvenile crime kind of skyrockets mm-hmm. as both perpetrators and as victims, right? So it keeps kids safe. Uh, and some of that's, you know, it can be, you know, graffiti and shoplifting and minor stuff, but minor stuff leads to bad stuff, right? Absolutely. So, so that's the second thing. And the third thing, it just helps kids thrive, right? So they're getting fed, they're developing caring relationships. Hopefully they're learning, they're getting help with homework, they're doing things that are fun, and they're finding out what they really like to do. So so we see it as all three of those as being important things. I do want to talk a little bit more about what parents uh, are getting from after-school programs, because sure. obviously after-school programs are for kids, but the benefits are going to trickle down to parents, I think, in probably pretty amazing and unexpected ways. Right. Um, but I, I would like to just talk about the, the ages that you guys are working mm-hmm. with. You know, you're working not only in the educational fields, but also, let's say, in the arts and sports. Kindergarten through 12th grade is what you guys are working on. Right. Yeah. We focus mostly on uh, fifth uh, kindergarten through middle school is what we focus most on. There's not a lot of high school after school programs. It starts to look very different at high school. Is that because there's already extra cur- they're, they're on the football team? Right. Or they're doing a lot or? of other things. So after school in uh, after school programs for the high schoolers tend to be very leadership based. Uh, kind of a career focus, uh, service-oriented. They tend to not be every single day because they do have jobs and sports and clubs and other things they're doing. So they tend to be really helping them. So the the technical word in the industry is agency, right? That youth are able to have agency, which means they're controlling what they're involved in, right? And they're learning skills, which will help them – in later life, right? Getting into college, uh, knowing what they want for a career, learning leadership uh, so that they so at have a certain, confidence. At a certain age, they kind of have to drive the ship and that helps yes. them to understand yes. that's really where they learn. Yeah, because they're not going to, a high schooler's not going to go to a program which isn't providing those kinds of things. Absolutely. Right? But, you know, with a seven-year-old, right, you're not giving them quite as much choice, right? You give them a little choice, but it's a little, it looks yeah, a little different. That might be a bad idea. Right, yeah. And so, and a lot of the really good middle school programs that we see, a lot of those start to, they start to have, like, clubs, right? And the kids can maybe vote on which club they want for a period of time. And, and so that kind of model starts to, you're, you're teaching kids decision-making skills, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and how do they, how do they, you know, oh, well, we thought we wanted this, but we got into it and we don't like it. Well, guess what? You get it for six weeks and you're going to stick with it. And maybe you might, by the end of it, learn that you like it more. Or you might like it so much that we decide we're going to do it for another six weeks, right? So so they start to have some ability to control. Are the techniques are the techniques that are applied, how are they, like, is it broken down into brackets? Like yes. kindergarten and then maybe first through fourth grade? Or yes. where, where are those lines? Um you're asking me a technical question I can't quite answer. <laughs> but um, actually— Are there a lot of different subgroups, or is it pretty much just a, a ballpark of three ages? Three or four. Okay. Yeah, three or four subgroups. Actually, Friday's training this week is ages and stages, right, where we talk about those age groups All right. and the kind of development stages that kids go through and um, how you address programming 
Because certain organizations, they have different age kids, so they need to know how to apply that to different kids, even though they're in the same, under the same umbrella. Right. Right. And especially if you're running a small program, say you're running it at an apartment complex. Yeah. You probably have room for about 30 kids. So you might have from kindergartners to fifth graders uh, or maybe even, you know, sixth or seventh. Right. So you're going to treat them differently. And how do you structure that in one room or two rooms can be kind of a little bit of a challenge. Uh, Or you might be an organization where you've got, you know, you know, three different rooms. So you can have two grades per room and, and it's but you still have to have your staff yeah. know how to treat the kids that age. Let's talk about how adults can benefit from after-school programs. These are, as we've said, obviously for children, but it's going to have some sort of effect on parents and families that aren't actually participating in it. So right. what kind of benefit would it have on a parent uh, who's maybe on the fence about having a kid participate in one at all? So I think the benefits first is, especially if they're working, right, you don't have to worry about what your kid's doing, right? Are they home alone? Are they hanging out on the street? Who are they hanging out with? All those kinds of questions. So it's a safety issue first. Second is they do get some help academically. And sometimes um, even even how we learned math is not how they teach math now, right? You know, it's those kinds of things, right? You know, when you're helping your kid with homework and they're like, that is not how you do it. Um, <laughs> Give so, your advocates out and they're like, no. Yeah, no, not how they do it. <laughs> This is not how my teacher did. So so there's that homework help piece of it, which, you know, for some parents, especially if they don't speak English, can be really um, a big help. Uh, and then the, the other thing I think is that, you know, parents are really busy. They want the best for their kids. They want their kids uh, to be excited about school and to learn. And after school helps them with those things, right? Even if, even if parents are doing all those things at home, too, and have the time and the resources to do that, after school still is another It's another set of adults and responsible adults and role models in a child's life. Uh, And building those relationships is really shown to have a lot of psychological um, benefits to children and help them mature. Let's talk about how people can get involved with Dallas After School. If people want to be a part of this organization, what's the best way for them to do that? So on our website, dallasafterschool.org, there's a volunteer button. And so uh, if they fill that out, then we'll contact them. If people, so if you're volunteering with us, you're probably not necessarily going to work directly with children. Um, we do have some where we'll take and go out to sites and, and work directly with children. Uh, but sometimes people say, I want to volunteer, but I want to work directly with children. And if people write that into the format, then we'll help match them up to people that uh, are looking for volunteers. You know, sometimes people say we want to read or we want to do coding or we want to, you know, do something more sports oriented. Uh, and then we'll work to try to match people up. Christina Hanger is the CEO of Dallas After School, their website, dallasafterschool.org. I feel like we could keep talking, uh, but we are going to, in a certain way, we're going to speak with another representative of the group coming up after the break. But before we do that, I really want to thank you for stopping by today, and uh, please come back again. Okay, thank you so much, Nick. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.